Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey everybody, this episode of James Bonding is brought to you by Squarespace. It's me, Matt. Uh, Matt Gorley uh, right now is on assignment on a special beach somewhere. Actually, he's in the Alps. <laughs> but he's on this episode, but he's not here while I'm recording this ad. But I know that if he was here, he would agree 100% with the following. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. You can make it a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website, showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. It's got 24-7 award-winning customer support, so you can customize everything from the look and the feel and the settings and the products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and there's nothing to install or patch or upgrade ever. That's right. You don't need a whole Q branch full of gadgets to get your website up and running because Squarespace will do it all for you. You can head to squarespace.com forward slash bond for a free trial and when you're ready to launch you can use the offer code bond and save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or a domain so if you're looking to make a website for your fictional import export business that is your cover for every assignment you go on just like james bond there's no better place to do that than squarespace so go to spare squarespace.com forward slash bond Here's the show. James Bonding Podcast. It's the 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 James Bonding Podcast with Matthews, Myra, and Gorley. Matthews, Gorley, and Myra. James Bonding is back and better for it. Better forever? <laughs> and better forever. <laughs> He's no longer not better. My name is Matt Gorley. I'm Matt Myra. And today, back for a second week in a row, is our man in the East, Phil Nobile Jr. We're so good. And we're glad you're back, even though we're recording this one first. It's a bit of a time warp. Oh, got it. So, so we'll do all our pleasant We should do callback jokes. In reverse. Okay, hang on. We I'm should set up out. some callback jokes. Call. I'm going to do. I'm going to reference something that yeah. I 
ha- will reference later on in our day, but to the listener will be something that we... Boy, this is uh, tough. It'll happen. Don't Let's worry. all make I'm, a callback right now to last week's episode <laughs> and see if we did it. Uh, well, we can force it in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could sh- I mean, certainly. Yeah. That's, that's not the baloney kingdom I remember. <laughs> that's a chip off the old honky-tonk. And that's why we have eyebrows. <laughs> okay. We've got our work cut out. Ooh, but for today, it's all about live. And let die. 1973, Roger Moore's first foray into the Bond franchise. That's right. As James Bond. I was watching this and Amanda comes Still in. Still a saint. Sits down and goes, you know, he's pretty good looking. And Roger Moore is good looking. It's as this. good looking as he's going to get in the franchise. That's I right. Think. That's right. You think this is his peak good lookingness? Yeah. I think he's, he's healthy. He's engaged. And he's... Uh, uh, being photographed probably better than he is in the next couple of movies. And we sure. know he's doing his knees bend workout because he writes about it in the making of this film <laughs> in that right. book. He is rocking serious kidney stones all through the making of this movie, by That's the way. Right. Well, he's just not drinking enough water. Think about that. And he's, he's mad hydrated. because he can't have his hair cutter come along, right? His hairdresser. Or, yeah, oh, hairdresser. Right. His Excuse hairdresser me. was not hired as was promised, and he flung his breakfast toast across the room in rage. Uh, uh, all right, while we're on the subject of that... <clears throat> on the subject of that book, yeah. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the thing, but it's being re-released in hardcover in October. <gasps> and I am as sure as I am of anything that we are responsible for that. You are responsible oh, for that. Well, we were merely an We are merely the amplifier for act. your voice. I think you're right. I think you're probably right. And oh, shouldn't they reach is... out to us to do a three-person forward? I, I think they should, I, if they were gentlemen. Yeah. What is going on, guys? This is happening. Desmond Llewellyn's hands are being Googled at a rate not seen ever. <laughs> What's happening? And I don't want to like... I don't want to rattle you guys, but you know your lover's not experts, uh, Credo. Yeah. I think you're becoming experts. No, oh, no, no, no. As no, a no. fan, and I don't think you have a lot of fans on the show. I think I'm the one fan you keep bringing on to the show. I'm listening every episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You guys are becoming experts. Oh, no, no. Well, we coming from you, that's high praise, we but I, I beg to differ. You'll know that you're experts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you fucking hate it. Mm. Oh. Well, then I am not an well, expert. Not yet. Not I'm yet. even watching I'm Live, and Let, Live and Let Die last night. Do you guys ever have this? Let me ask you about this. Because now James Bond is kind of like, I don't want to call it a job because there's no drudgery involved. I enjoy it. But it yeah. is this thing we have to do weekly. So yeah. it's a set thing. Yeah. So when I watch it, I am now watching in that context. But last night, I got a live and let die flash of like when I was a kid watching this movie. That And that was a feeling I haven't felt in a while because oh, I still wow. enjoy it. But I'm again, I'm watching it in current day mode. Yeah. And I'd forgotten about all the nostalgia that goes with this. And like, if you put Bond on the shelf for a year or two and come back to it, that's the first feeling you get. And even though I've seen this movie very recently, I still, this one, man, I flash back. This was the first DVD I ever bought. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And also we should mention this, this will come out close to May and it's almost a year since the uh, death of our boy, Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. May 23rd. Wasn't that what we came back with? With me. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. We all talked Roger and we talked about the book and I think, you know. Obviously this book is why. That's, we are why. And it's appropriate. And I think we landed on Live and Let Die as our collective favorite of his at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are looking at these great Live and Let Die stunt spectacular prints oh, by Matt Gorley. Gosh, uh, by Matt Gorley. Uh, they hired him when he was about six years old uh, to I was, no, draw I was, this. I was zero. I was born. Yeah. Well, it, the took, them, it took them a little while That's to right. get the licensing. And That's then right. they were like, well, we got to do a poster. Yeah. I know yeah. a young man in Long Beach. 
Way to your back. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting you're from the least memorable. I know the least memorable place in it Southern is. California. It is so memorable that even John Greenleaf Whittier had never been there. <laughs> they just named it after him, apparently. But clearly, this movie made a mark on the three of us in a way that the collective uh, sort of uh, opinion doesn't value the movie. Yeah. It's, and what that's is it? A good is it just point. ripening? Is it becoming? Is it just that mm. there's when you get to the sameness of some of his franchise, this one stands out so much? Boy, it really does. And is it the black exploitation thing? It's just it's one of those outliers, and I love the Bond outliers, and I actually think this is as close to good as an outlier gets, maybe sure, with the exception of like right on her Majesty. So something that can still be an outlier. That that can that is an outlier, but can still be a good movie. Yeah, most of the outliers are good because they're so bad. Yes. Like Diamonds Are Forever yeah. or View to a Kill or something. Well, it depends on what your definition of outlier is. Because I true. Uh, License to Kill is a bit of an outlier. Yeah, yeah. Quantum's a bit of an outlier. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I but I like both. I don't know. Those. If, I don't know if Connery has an outlier. I don't think of Quantum as an outlier. I think of Quantum as the post credit sequence for Casino Royale. It just happens to be two and a half hours a and one. cost one hundred and seventy million dollars. <laughs> um, I think Connery, Diamonds Are Forever is a bit of an outlier of his, yeah. Just in terms of yeah. the logistics of how that came to be. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, let's get into this film, huh? You got your notes? God, I oh, love this film. Do we ever oh, let notes? I wrote notes. Because I've seen this movie, this is probably in my top five of the Bond that I've seen the most. This is one of the ones I used to put on all the time. It's why it was the first DVD one I bought for some reason. I really watched the background a lot in this one, and already right out of the gate noticed some things about bond's kitchen that goes beyond that espresso maker or whatever it is he has but his fridge is tiny do you guys (laughs) notice the size of his refrigerator and i'm sure that was probably a common thing in england at the time but it's like the size of well it's like the size of a casper mattress box that comes in the size of a small refrigerator And he has rooster jello molds hanging up in his kitchen. <laughs> he does have a real country theme going there. And <laughs> or some of bunt stuff. cakes, yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. It's, I think that the, uh, it's, they're, they're jello molds, right? They are. The rooster jello, the copper rooster I guess rooster they could be cake molds. Mold, which I feel so. like was on every kitchen wall. Yeah. From, I don't know, the invention of copper until 1988. <laughs> the invention of kitchens. <laughs> I mean, I'm familiar with the sort of the rooster imagery in kitchens. I did not ever assume it was a jello mold. It's probably I always a thought cake it was. Thing. I, I think it's probably it was a jello mold. No, thing. you guys both thought. I just that, pretended so. in my mind. Well, you know, I it's got to be a cake thing. It's got to be right. Yeah. Is he cooking anything besides that fucking cappuccino though? Yeah, just quiche. Just you quiche. know what? I, yeah. This is the first yeah. time I noticed that he actually grinds the beans himself. Oh yeah, that's, that's what that legit. big machine is. Yeah. Is solely a grinder, right? And it's the espresso how, thing yeah. is separate. That is insane how big the that's crazy at that point. Yeah, it had to be some kind of like industrial steel motor. I also want to know what. What goes on at M's? Pl- Maybe you know what? Here's my guess: M has one of these machines, but he's never seen it because he doesn't go in his kitchen. Because we know he has a butler; he has a full staff. Right, sure. you're right. So it's when he asks for him. coffee, it's just brought to him. He hears it. So it's either that, or he's a big Maxwell House instant, instant coffee, coffee guy. Instant guy. Mm. He's probably just tea. That's why he always needs the spoon. He might be a tea because Bond is Bond's is coffee not, only. He's not tea, especially Fleming's Bond. It's mud. Especially Fleming. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump past this uh, oddity, an outlier of a cold open, that's for sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no oh, you mean the cold open? Yeah. It's it's one of, I think, one of only three that do not have Bond in in them as a character. Right. So you got Dr. No. Well, there's no cold open. You guys call that. <laughs> right. It's fair not, enough. But 
I'm not counting that one, but okay, you can have that if you like. Okay, we're so not taking it from Russia with love. It. Yeah, we don't need your charity. Film. Fine, good. From from Russia with love, right? Uh, I, I I don't like counting that one because for me, I will count it if the actor playing James Bond had to appear on screen. Well, then the other one doesn't count either. Yeah, there's your hint. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh wait, hang on. Oh man, with the golden there gun. there it is. Right. Yeah. More Roger Moore plays the <laughs> so mannequin of himself. Only one without even the actor in it. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That That's works. big. Was this a, they're like, I wonder what their thought process was having gone through the Lazenby transition only to retransition to Connery mm-hmm. to then bring in this guy who now they've signed to more pictures and they understand as a competent actor who knows how the business works and won't fucking grow a beard and move <laughs> onto a boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, they probably didn't know how much they had. <laughs> Although, yeah. there, there's a, an anecdote about how uh, Roger Moore kept coming back with his haircut and Cubby kept sending him back yeah. shorter, yeah. shorter, because he was oh, he had some seriously long hair when he got hired. Yes, I've seen those photos yeah. of him, and uh, it is... he's the, We've all... We agreed in the last episode we talked when we talked about Roger Moore that he was the most like James Bond of all the actors. He embraced you know? it the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. the way he lived on the south of France to avoid taxes, etc. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I, I wonder what was going through sort of like production from a production standpoint or I, from Cubby's standpoint of like, let's, let's not show him until afterwards and right. let's not acknowledge it in the yeah, way that was we that, did with the was that on purpose? Hmm. Yeah. But there's an unveiling with Lazenby that yeah. kind of went over like a lead balloon, but I wish that was Sylvia was... Trench, by the way, in, oh, instead in, of an in Italian uh, agent. Oh, interesting little tie-in. Yeah, I love his hair in this. It's the the highest and tightest you'll get. Roger Moore's Bond. True, and, and he looks fantastic in this. He's just un- uniformly leather bronze throughout this. Like he doesn't have a single tan line. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> and his and his other various lines haven't shown up yet. Yeah, on his face right. and whatnot. He's got just the right amount of of age in his face. He's what forty five in this. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm approaching live and let die age. Do you think it's a coincidence that the next time we see Bond's apartment, which is Inspector, Uh it is also a scene where Money Penny brings him something and M, technically speaking, gives him orders? (laughs) Yes. I don't think think so. I don't think think they were thinking that far ahead. I can't imagine they were. I like to know. Now, it makes sense that he's. I would like to see a scene of Daniel Craig's Bond apartment having been decorated. Like, does he finally get it done? Does, does, he, he, does he hire someone or does he do it? Does, like, Swan go, like, we really got to put some stuff up on the Oh, I feel like they get out of London and move to the south of France or, like, a Normandy or something. <gasps> That's a great question. Where are they going to be living? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're not thinking that Swan's going to be in this next movie. Well. It's not going to happen. I was hoping. It's It's over. It's never is it? You think it's over? I do. Yeah? Yeah. You Especially think, the idea of Danny Boyle coming in with this out-of-left-field idea. It's, you don't think they'll try to tack something yeah. on like a Honor Majesty's opening like they were going to do originally? Mm-hmm. I, I just, wouldn't be surprised to find out Danny Boyle didn't watch Spectre. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I would be surprised to find out he did. Um, uh, the, the personal life of Bond is intriguing to me. Let's talk about his apartment. You only see it in Well, in we talked Dr. about his no. apartment a lot last week with Phil. That's right. Sure we did. Another callback. Well, let's continue that conversation. You get Dr. No, you get Live and Let Die, and you get Spectre. Are those the only times you see Bond's apartment? Yes. Yes. Do you think 
because he has this like really modern kitchen and he has this almost like colonial uh, living room and bedroom. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing all of Bond's apartment? Just it's just living room, bedroom, and kitchen. Are you or thinking there is might there be more? an office somewhere? An office? No, because his office desk is essentially in the living room. It's where M puts oh, his yeah. tea down. But do you think there's another bedroom, or this is kind of just a bachelor pad at the time? It's London. Things aren't huge there. It's I sort of feel pad. like that's uh, just definitely it. A, definitely a bachelor pad. Yeah. Uh, his one in Doctor No looks like a museum or something. I know. It's very strange, and it has an interesting like diagonal layout too. <laughs> that yeah, I really. Yeah. Do you think fascinated. that he? Has a parking spot for his car. What kind of personal car do you think Roger Moore's James Bond drives? Mm, might be the Bentley. You think yeah. so? You think he's still rocking a green '30s Bentley, or maybe like an Alfa Romeo or something? A little yeah. tiny. Uh, yeah, I feel car. like I feel like Roger Moore's James Bond is more of like uh, whatever the fanciest Citroen is. Mm. Right. It's possible. Like but did flats like that even come with a garage back then? I don't know. Certainly, yeah. horse stables were nearby. Sure. In, in the in the Fleming books, he talks about it uh, keeping it out of a garage somewhere near his house. Wow, with that's a guy crazy. who just sort of looks after it every it? week. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That'd be nice. My man, my car man. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so the uh, money penny, <laughs> money penny getting the girl out. Uh, again, is just reinforcing the relationship that uh, Money Penny's really into being cuckolded. She's mm. a cuck, guys. She's she's a glutton. For she's punishment. like, I can't wait to watch James Bond have sex with another lady. Yeah, I'm she's keep this she's up. bros before hoes. She's certainly James Bond's best friend. I don't care what he thinks. Oh, no one is gonna. She's a great friend to him. No one's gonna help him more than she will. And that yeah. goes even Felix. On down the line. It's like she's his fixer. She's she's his Michael Cohn personal attorney. Yeah. When he tried to quit, she rewrote his resignation letter. That's right. To a request for vacation. She would make $130,000 payments to Stormy Daniels for Bond. Of course he would. Yeah. Uh, I want to know if... And by the time this comes out, who knows what will have been revealed. Yeah, what will we make up to tomorrow? By the way, I love the touch of him asking her if she's married. When the he looks at his watch, it's five forty eight in the morning, and someone's knocking at the door. Oh, right. <laughs> he's like, "You're not married, are you?" <laughs> like this is something that he's been through before. It just came up. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a very nice touch. Uh, so they get him out of there, and they send him to where does he go first? New York, he right? Goes to New York. So your your who's the most British has happened already, and it's oh, down it, to M, and it's down to the guy who dies in a very British way at the United Nations. It's uh, Bernard Lee. Really, I yeah. kind of like the. Just the way that guy taps his earpiece. He's really subtle. I like him. But the way he dies and then nobody really reacts. They look at him, but it's kind of like, is, um, is he dying? <laughs> he's he's a real joker, that guy. And whenever anyone's giving a boring oh, speech, yeah, he pretends yeah. to yeah. die. So yeah. they just assume he's at it Oh, again. that's that dry English wit. I yeah. like how they uh, decided to have the United Nations look like you're traveling through a small world with how <laughs> culturally each person's country in front of them is like, okay, you're there. You're yeah. Holland. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's right. the United Nation versions of that, that weird dinner in Honor Majesty's Secret Service where oh, each yeah. girl's eating. Yes, each girl's oh, yeah. eating the... <laughs> what right. do white people like? Corn. Okay. I'm opening a new restaurant of racist food <laughs> where you, you state your race as you come in and that's what you are relegated to. The most stereotypical meal of your country. I would just race. lie and say I was Canadian every time. Just a stump. So what you would they the give? Just get maple moose syrup burgers and, and maple and poutine? syrup. Yeah, poutine, <laughs> moose, and maple syrup. I'm into it. I'm way into it. I'm uh, Irish, so I would just get potatoes and Guinness. 
What well, do you feel? I'm Italian. So just spaghetti. 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 And Chianti. Spaghetti. Yeah. Well, I'm Portuguese, uh, Italian, Linguisa. and half Cuban. So you I get, get a, a delightful meal. Yeah, you get meal. Um, plantains mixed with linguisa. <laughs> I, I haven't had linguisa in a long time. Oh, I like linguisa. Sounds good. Yeah. Remember uh, last week when we had linguisa and then recorded the podcast? Oh, that was good. I missed that. <laughs> Let's go to lunch at a Portuguese restaurant today. Nice. Let's find one of those. Hey, Portuguese. Um, okay. So I want to talk about uh, this New York situation. This, okay. This, this driving up to Harlem. So also, they when Bond arrives in New York yes. and he's in the car with Charlie, his driver, mm-hmm. and Whisper drives along and shoots him. They know all of this simply because Solitaire said a man comes, he brings violence. And they were able to determine where and what time he was arriving in what city. Well, there's an interesting point in that uh, Mr. Big's entire network is a sort of a weird fantastical version of the horrible stereotype that all black people know each other. Yeah, right. It really like is. The shoe shine guy, he's in touch with the cab driver who knows the yeah. pimp that's driving the Well, I think they all get a little they get a little taste, you know. Mm. And uh It's and not it's even sh- that they know each other, it's that they all have each other's numbers and C B handles. <laughs> yeah, constant well, contact. I, yeah. I love the uh 70s C B of it all. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful this movie I don't think if this movie doesn't exist, I don't think Smokey and the Band no, you're exists. Right. Well, that's yeah. very yeah. I was thinking about you know they they talk about how it dipped into the black exploitation era, but there's also a healthy healthy dose of red exploitation in this movie. Yeah, and when you think about the fact that Burt Reynolds was offered this one, do you think that was baked in in sort of anticipation mm. of good old boy Burt? Because that same year he makes White Lightning, which you could blind show someone two clips from both movies and be very similar. There's like these wow. boat races on the swamps. There's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These good old boy sheriffs chasing guys. White Lightning yeah. is Archer's favorite movie. It's awesome. It's it's, it's really awesome weird movie. to think that Smoking the Bandit comes out four years after this. D- is Gator out at this point already? Gator's a sequel to White Lightning. So, okay, so Gator so, 76. White right. Lightning comes out like, I think, a month after this movie. Wow. So what is in the zeitgeist that is doing? Is it Cool Hand Luke? What is Deliverance? When is Deliverance? That's 71. later. It's, oh, it's before. Okay, yeah, so. 72, maybe. This is building, and this is kind of like when it. Proto jumps the shark and then Smokey and the Bandit really brings it home. Yeah. God, I love Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit. There's barely a genre for it to be riffing on, but there's, there's all this sort of the seeds of red exploitation or hicksploitation, I yeah. guess people call it, yeah. in there. I found interesting. think we should do an off week about Smokey and the Bandit. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, because in. it is like so. It's one of my favorite so movies. Sheriff Pepper. Yeah. And quite frankly, I haven't watched it in like 10 years and I remember loving it the 19 times I watched it as a child. So. That is the biggest leap from Bond movie to in between. I mean, <laughs> no, it is not. Well, I just, I just made the smuggling. connection. There's smuggling. There's espionage. I mean, J.W. Pepper chases. is definitely the connection there. I'm trying to think of Super at least villains. one other connection, even an actor, other than Burt Reynolds being considered for Bond. <laughs> I mean, you've got to do a run of of. And we uh, just do Sam Also, Neal. Rans are, are almost Bonds. Yeah, yeah. You do a Sam Neill episode of Burt Reynolds one. Wait a minute, I've got to be able to find some connection. Hal Needham directed it. <laughs> uh, Jerry Reed, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason. God, I mean, there's. Is there anything in there? <laughs> Chart topping theme song. Oh man, I yes. love that song. Jerry That's Reed's something. one of my favorite musicians. Um, and Jerry Reed is so good in that movie. Like he is 
act talk about you got brosnan hurt acting watch jerry reed get beat up in that movie in the biker bar his hurt acting is bar none top notch the best hurt acting i've ever seen nice. that's how you do hurt acting biker bar none biker bar none all right i'm sorry i'm done with my smoking the bandit rant that was going to be the first movie we did as an outdoor movie here at, at the at the household oh so well, that's gotta be do. that's gotta be kicking back up pretty soon right yeah yeah I'm excited uh, to talk about this uh, this pimp mobile uh, because <laughs> when Felix says we need a what does he say says we need a make give on me a, a make white, on a white, white pimp mobile yeah how vague could you be uh, he does he just follow it up with the license plate doesn't yeah. he yeah and I also That's realize that I'm going to start using me. if I ever have an alias it's going to be Nelson David George <laughs> what he uses for the. <laughs> For the license plate, uh, I love the tiny missile. This, you know, this might be a gloff to some. Oh, let's hear it! it but, let's hear it. Uh, I think collectors know the deal. Do you notice that her tarot cards have 007 yeah. on the back? Yes, of them? yeah, yeah. It's not that much of a gloff. No, but that's 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 a strange thing. You either notice that or you don't, because once you know it, you can't unsee it. But yeah, it's like a magic uh, yeah. drawing. But uh, Jimmy Blades bought me a the deck. Oh, the of those. It's somewhere in the garage. When we moved, nice. I've had trouble finding it, but. Um, it is crazy that this movie is introducing Jane Seymour. I know she's twenty-one. She wow. is here. Just holds the screen. Are you a fan? I love it. Oh yeah, she's one of my favorites. She, but she's also like she's not only is she beautiful, but she's also like acting. Like she's like because I find mm-hmm. a lot of times you have a lot of these Bond girls that they're not. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, great at acting. Not nuanced. Yeah. 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 Like, I would even... Like, Rosie Carter is playing it too big, I she's think. She's pretty bad. She's trying... So big. Yeah, she's... She's in a different... She's like... She is... I think she's she's playing in a in a theater where they've only sold tickets to people in the third row of the balcony. <laughs> so, that's, where, that's how she's performing. That's, very, that's, that's the most consideration anyone has ever given that performance, ever. <laughs> and you're, you're right. I stand with you. Uh, but... Uh, she's... She's big and shrill. It is <laughs> cool. It is very cool to see all the Harlem stuff. Like, to see New York at that time. I love Strutter, too. I would love to see a film with Strutter. I, for some reason, it never occurred to me that Strutter is the one that gets killed later, for some uh, reason. Oh, why? I don't know. I just had forgotten about him he as a character. He disappears for so long. Yeah. And there's yeah. so much movie. This is a really packed movie. And it's a different city. It's yeah, New Orleans, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, he's yeah. back in New Orleans, so I just assume it's, I don't know. I like that everyone that is in the funeral procession is always in on whoever they're murdering. Yeah. <laughs> and they all have one outfit for this move. Yeah. Whatever the day. It's called shot on the same day. Oh, outfit. absolutely. Like, yeah. they didn't move the camera for some of them. <laughs> now, all right, bring that, bring Strutter in, put him here. The, the, white, the white agent who gets killed in pre-title sequence, mm-hmm. I just found out, is the son of Roger Moore's cinematic idol. And that's how he got that job. Who's the cinematic idol? Oh, God. I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh. His last name is Dix, and it's not the cowboy, but it's some actor that Roger Moore went to see in, in, when he, in his youth, oh. and then he found out his son was local wow. to New Orleans and, and got him the gig. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's why that British agent has no British accent. Yeah, that's another thing Whoa. that I, I was like, should I go back? Because they just called him a British yeah. agent. I don't remember our man in New Orleans. Or Could whatever. be an expat. Yeah. I suppose. You know, over there working for the uh, secret secret agent. Secret oh, agent. What in the world? 
Can we talk real quick while we're still in New York? He's, he's in the play with uh, Rosie Carter. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> They're doing dinner theater down there. <laughs> uh, Bond's Chesterfield coat in New York. Oh. Is, it might be the best Morris ever looked. The uh, I, I double breast situation. Mm, the, it is gorgeous. I agree with gloves. you. I think because his hair is high and tight, he's got gloves and... That overcoat, is he wearing a blazer under that, or is it a just... a whole suit under it. He is, but it's yeah. still so finely tailored. It's a Chesterfield coat that's oh. uh, just chef kiss. Yeah, I've often said that's my favorite. He kind of, he, he explodes in into Safari Jacket Land in the next movie and sort of rides that he bus all the way to 1985. Back. Yeah, that's um, right. But right here, it's a real classic look on him. Yeah. He's looking good in this and He's movie. looking, yeah, this whole movie. I love the way he's dressed. It's a lot of good outfits. Even um, when he goes... Hang gliding, and he's wearing a navy suit, but yeah. that navy suit peels away to a khaki suit. Yeah. Why? I know why. <laughs> I know why it's dark for the first yes. part. Why not keep? Why it not dark? stay dark? But I guess you just just Shipping island wear. Right like it, it simply isn't done. You don't wear a dark suit in the tropics. I guess. Yeah. It's like white after Labor Day. Um, I have to say, uh, Coral. We're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Coral Junior's placement of the secret latch to open up his radios and guns. Yeah, um, not awful. No, don't you think it should go up? It's a bad choice. It should go up. Yeah, yeah. It should go not in the direction that anything you put on. Yeah. your absolute when, thing when you right, use for. the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's well. it's it's like um, you know I have a secret door, but to activate it you have to turn the handle. <laughs> I don't or this I don't light wanna... switch, this switch, yeah, marks I, secret door. I don't want to be insensitive, but Quarles' dad thought a tank was a dragon, so maybe smart. Listen, there were the dragon family. legends about mm. that island, uh, or maybe I don't know. Maybe they're just dumb. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, they're just boat people. I'm going to bring this movie up because there's also something I noticed in here. I don't know if we talked about this before, but you guys keep talking. I'm going to find this. There's something special in here. So if I was only listening to the commentary 10 years ago, I would have learned that Rick Baker did the Baron Samiti head and That's the Kananga balloon thing. Huh? Is that in the commentary? It is. On, in the scene where Samiti's head gets yeah, shot yeah. and his eyes roll up, which always blew my mind, but it's, yeah. it's a Rick Baker effect. So there's di- differing opinions on whether or not Rick Baker – opinions, different stories on whether or not Rick Baker did the Mr. Big makeup. Because not particularly good makeup. No, it sure isn't. But Yafik Koto, who says a lot of crazy shit, yeah. uh, said it was Rick Baker who did that makeup. Huh. Famous but, alien abductee Yafik Koto. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he seems like a lovely man, but yeah. he tells another crazy story about how he got fixated on living like James Bond after he made this movie. No kidding. He said he had to have the best, he had to have the limousine, he had to have the best suits, and it was all because of Bond. And he said he had a three-year bender where he couldn't snap out of it. Wow. I love it. He, I he feel it, his right? character you know? completely changes in the cave. He's really stern and serious throughout. And then when Bond shows up, he's more than just hospitable in an evil villain sort of yeah. way. He's just suddenly like super happy. He, he You're about familiar with my part of the movie I love, which is the. <laughs> did we? Did you didn't hear this yet? Because I don't Thunderball think comes out. The, everyone's confused as to how many were recording at once, but yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I discussed uh, in the Thunderball episode, everybody's heard already, the uh, just how friendly Largo is in this. In the there's like this brief moment where in every Bond movie where the guard is dropped by the supervillain who's commun- talking to Bond, and they just for a second you get a glimmer of humanity out of these supervillains. And like in Largo's case, it's when he Bond is asking him how fast the Disco Volante goes. Oh, oh right. Yeah. So more than that, 20. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just so delighted to talk boats with someone. Yeah. Like, 
Finally, I guess my boat thing. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have. A, here's a theory. Yeah. Yes. These films, while we love them, and, and they're they, you know, they're classics in their way. They're not really made by uh, actors, directors. No. So, You're so right. that's a, interesting. A, an actor will make a choice, and in fact, Yafakoto. I, I was listening to an interview with him where he was really pleased with his choice to be this gracious host because he thought it made it more scary if he was super cheerful and and positive and friendly to them. And it is a good choice. Yeah, but he I doesn't like it. Get there in any organic way. No, because he's just sort of making shit up on the day. Well, I also yeah. felt like it worked for the character though because like he's pretending to be this Mister Big guy, and then he's. He's a uh, Kananga. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, it has there's, an a, there's a there's a little uh, fractured personality happening. Anyway. Yeah, sure. There's an air of madness because Bond has at that point ruined everything for him yeah. for the most part. He says he doesn't. But but it does feel like maybe he's like, all right, I've lost everything. So I'm going to have some fun with this guy going out or right. something. Yeah. <clears throat> he also cites himself as, as he said Kananga was a, a Bond super fan. So he was. He was like oh. emulating him and jealous of him, and he and he wanted to like impress him. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Another then, thing we can relate to. And then Yafakoto ended up becoming Kananga. It's, it's weird, right? Yeah. Yafik- Man, I have so many questions for Yafakoto. <laughs> you, I think he's like maybe the most gettable guest you could possibly have on this podcast. Really? Next yeah. to Lazenby. Where does he live? He's got to live in L.A. He I once bet. did a master class at my grad school. I didn't get to go to it. This is that's your home stretch, guys. Like yeah. guests from the movies. This is yeah. yeah. We should. I know they're all dying. Damn. Not you, Yafit. You're you're long for this world. <laughs> the aliens have helped you quite a bit. Rosie's. She does a lot of appearances. Oh, not after what I've said. Well, let's well, talk I, about her. Because like having Pierce I want Brosnan to show you on. this. Did we talk about this last Brosnan's time? Brosnan's a get. You can get yeah. Brosnan in here. Uh, Brosnan would love to be a guest uh, in Macaroni's home, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I would have to get Phil I mean, to I'd fill love in. To ha- yeah, I'd love to have him, but I would feel bad. So, sure. what, would we, what would be the move? Would we not mention your opinions of him at all? Or like, how would we... Let's say that he was here. Let's say he was had agreed to do it, and we got ourselves a James Bond. I got, I got this. The pinnacle of Pierce Brosnan. So Matt's first question to Pierce yeah. Brosnan is: So Pierce, you're on record as being somewhat unhappy with your run as Bond. Talk to me about what what didn't happen for you. Why were you? Why did you leave disappointed? Oh, that's a good. And end. and then let him be the bad guy for his own run. That's ah, a good. And then we just agree with him the that's whole time. End. I would be paranoid that he knew that I had been. I had talked ill of his performance. He's listening to this right now. I know. But the problem is, I bet bet it goes in one ear and out the other. God bless you, Pierce. But I bet bet he doesn't retain any of this stuff. I think when you are that handsome, you don't hear. You're just floating. Your feet are... Well, I guess what I'm saying is, if he was coming on here, I bet a bunch of people would tag him and me in the same tweet and go like, oh, I can't wait. Because people have done that before. Like, Matt, why don't you like Brazen's acting? And it's like, I know he'll probably never see it or whatever, but I, I do hate when people... Tag you in things tag that you in would hurt things. somebody yeah. else yeah. Yeah. in any way. People That's, are dicks. Yeah. There's no need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Because I've go- also gone on record and say I like him as an actor otherwise, and he seems like a wonderful man. Yeah. And I, I say that again. So you could hack all his social media and you know just sort of control the feed of what he's seeing maybe in the weeks following the podcast. That's There's really option. no way to do it. It's, it's disappointing to me. It'd be so. I think it'd be so interesting to have. Well, it's not going to happen anyway. That guy's. I don't busy. He's working. He lives in Kauai. You know what? He lives in Kauai. He lives in Malibu too. The guy loves. You know what we do? We we just we share. We we talk about how much we both enjoy um, 
what does he do? He does the uh, long boards with the sticks. Oh, paddleboard? Yeah. We'll just talk about how uh, how much we all love paddleboarding. I better learn paddleboarding. Uh, I love those boards with sticks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rosie, you were talking about Rosie. Well, sorry. Rosie I can't remember if this came up before, but when Bond says make your choice to Rosie, it's yeah. echoed in the music. And he goes, make your choice. It's at the same time. <laughs> Hold what? on. Watch. Is this a gloft or is this like schizophrenia kicking in? It's a little of both. Oh, wait. Okay. And I'll kill you if you don't. But you couldn't. You wouldn't. Not after what we just done. I certainly wouldn't have killed you before. <laughs> it used to be a convincing act, Rosie. It's this. It's not an act. Choice. <laughs> you know what? I'm convinced. That should be a drop for someone's awesome <laughs> remix. Make your choice. 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 Right. Wow. Isn't that something? This is the good content that listeners turn tune your in for. monitor off, man. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, that's amazing. Why? Why? Make your choice. Why? I'm a spy. James Bond. <laughs> Why does Coconut Head not shoot Bond as well when he walks up to Rosie's I don't. I, I feel like Coconut Head has like one or two bullets. Maybe. I feel like one Coconut Head is like... Two lenses. Two scopes for <laughs> two, eyes, but two, one yeah. bullet. Stereoscopic yeah. Uh, yeah. security. They're like, well, we could do... We could give you the 3D, uh, Mr. Kananga. <laughs> uh, but if we do that, we're only going to be able to put two bullets in there at most. Uh, but if we don't do 3D, we could have like 100 bullets in yeah. there. He's like, hmm. give me the 3D. Yeah. Right. That's so Kananga. What do you think James Bond would do? <laughs> He'd want the best of anything. Yeah. Well, give me the 3D. <laughs> well, James Bond only needs one bullet. Make so it just... Make it just, oh make man, it now that's in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> Great. Uh, we didn't even talk about the cold open. I mean, not the cold open, the uh, opening titles. Uh, Title sequence? There's there's one girl in particular. This is almost a gloft, but they not are, a gloft. They are phoning it in a little bit, those dancers. Yeah, my favorite dancer yeah. is the one that is dancing when Maurice Binder's name comes up. And <laughs> she is seemingly uh, twirling in a circle... Uh, I will describe it as twirling in a circle, lazily waving at the ceiling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a, that was a popular dance at the time. <laughs> like, she's really like, hi. <laughs> so look out for that. When Maurice Bender's name comes up in the title sequence, it's that in, girl dancing. It's is, in my notes. Maurice Bender did not have a lot of choreography advice for his models. No, oh. it's very bizarre. Just, she, yeah. But, like, there's a literal... There's like a, oh, like a little him? wrist twirl that makes it a wave that is very <laughs> funny to me. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so the I like the club. Why is he ordering bourbon? Have we discussed this? Does anyone know why he keeps ordering bourbon? Well, he is on record as wanting to break from the martini. Yeah, thing. so that's why he doesn't smoke cigarettes, doesn't do martinis. He smokes cigars and drinks bourbon. And right. Yeah, he, but he like... He takes in the local stuff. Why? Yeah. I guess just to differentiate him from... I know, but you're James Bond, not Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, but those were also but, movie tropes. Not cigarettes, but the martini thing was all obviously the Vesper thing, but he never really went on to drink that much in the books. He would always kind of have a different drink in the books. Yeah. Oh, he'd have like a, dr- a, drink of the, a drink of the book? Basically. He would hmm. drink anything. In the yeah. Books. But Morse, Morse's constant thing, on, especially on this first one, was how do I make it my own? How do I not... 
make it seem like I'm afraid of taking the role. And he, he was very cognizant of not wanting to do an impersonation. So I think where he saw opportunities to zag where mm-hmm. Connery zigged, he took them. Yeah. And which I think, I think is good. It worked out for him. I mean, yeah. I, I think I said last time, Lazenby kicked that door open, but, but, and let, you know, kind of cleared the stage and let more do a new thing. Right. But more really capitalized on it. It is interesting then when you see flashes of, of Connery in Moore's bond, like in for your eyes only when he kicks the car over, I do like it, though. I like seeing a stern Roger Moore, but maybe it's best in little doses because it really frames it as something special. You that's, know? A, that's a very good point. You know yeah. he's serious. When Moore gets serious, you know he's serious. And you know he was cranky about that, too. Yeah. He's yeah. like, my, my Bond wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, right. it, you know. There's a weird note about uh, when Moore took the role. The producers were teaching him the James Bond walk. This is sort of in, in league with that. Uh-huh. What is and isn't Bond and stuff, but... You have to move like a cat, pushing off with the ball of the foot. Once you move, it's got to look like you could walk through a brick wall if necessary. Wow. Doesn't that sound interesting? Pushing off with the ball of the foot, I think of that as kind of like a tippy-toe walker. I th- when I read that, especially when the brick wall thing, I was thinking the way Craig scolds yeah. around Casino Royale. Yeah. When he's like walking to the casino and stuff. He's he's walking with that purpose. That You're, yeah. This is reminding me of a YouTube video that I found. It was on... I believe Deadspin was where I had originally seen it, and it maybe was a year ago. It might have been before that. Before the world became nothing but horrible things. <laughs> uh, it was a guy who works as a, a reenactor um, in some sort of a colonial or pre-colonial uh, situ- like uh, society uh, reenactment place, some historical place. I don't remember where it is exactly. Williamsburg. And I'm trying to remember what he was wearing. I feel like it was like a, uh, similar to a Davy Crockett looking fellow. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but he uh, he does this 50, there's a 15 minute video of him explaining how people used to walk. Wow. Uh, what? Yeah, shoes have made people not walk like human beings. Oh, I walk. have seen this. I've seen this. Okay, yeah. all I know right. Exactly what you're talking yeah, about. That's so he, right. And it's very, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, it is. He does talk about like the ball of your foot yeah. and how like you should be like feeling yeah. for anything that might be on the ground as a and like oh. he does weirdly fascinating 15 minutes of video yeah that's right so kids uh, you know if you're bored to be fair though this is talking about pushing off with the ball of the foot which gives you this propulsion kind of thing and it's this sort of predatory swagger yeah it's the opposite kind of yeah yeah and i mean i could never defensive you know what mac could you cut that out where i talked about the video yeah you got it no no definitely just cut that out yeah i definitely um I can't in a million years picture Roger Moore going through a brick wall, though. No. Sorry, Roger. No. I could picture him uh, being draped in velvet. Yeah. Yes. Roger Moore... He basically is. He seems like... He... He seems like of all the James Bond actors that have have come and gone, he seems like he, he was the one who most enjoyed the fashionability and trend of shag carpeting. So much so that I have a gloft. Okay. Oh. The boat that Bond steals last and pulls up to the dock in with all the like cops and everything uh-huh. has shag carpeting in it. <laughs> when he gets out, you can see it. It's like what brown a terrible or green idea. shag carpeting. What, what I know. must it's it smell like? So I know. Wet. I know. It's incredible. This is ridiculous. When he's getting up onto the dock, you can see down in the boat, and it has Madness. shag carpeting. 
I like how they, um, when Sheriff Pepper is talking about his brother-in-law and the cops see the uh, the black gentleman driving the boat, they just go wide-eyed. They don't say anything. They just go, oh, that must be his brother-in-law. Yeah. But they're so <laughs> like, oh. I never noticed that. Like, <laughs> like oh, my he, God. Did his sister marry married a black woman? Oh, my God. Like, that's a real, like, choice the actors are making <laughs> and are directed to do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's a loft The way you. he kept saying it, my brother-in-law. Billy Bob, are you sure? Does that boat get destroyed? Yeah, it's Poor the one Billy that Bob. rides up into that tanker, right? Poor Billy Bob, man. Oh, well, he had it coming. He He's a up, real racist When prick. he wakes up, it's not going to be good. Good for him. Um, okay, so the Harlem stuff, the bourbon. We're down into Jamaica already. We're already in Jamaica. This is crazy. You know what? It's easy to look at like a film like Thunderball and they use the jetpack and you go like, oh, that was novel and crazy at the time. Thunderball, Thunderball, Thunderball. Thunderball. This one, it never occurred to me because hang gliders have been such a thing for so long that when this would have come out, this is right before the hang gliding craze of the 70s and 80s, that that would have been this like, whoa, whoa. What is this thing? A hang glider? I had no idea there was a time before hang gliding. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's very similar to, you know, the water ski, you know, the, the uh, jet, jet ski. ski that yeah, what do they call it? Water bike. Yeah, yeah. the water, the water bike. bike. Yeah, yeah. Or even helicopters. They were kind of novel. That's yeah, you see from them Russia in, with in, love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always set five minutes from now. That's right. The, that's the world of Bond, right? That's right. That's why you'll never get the period film. <gasps> I wish they no. would. I wish they Not would. Okay. Maybe that's what Dan... No. Uh, we were kids, so I caught this probably on the ABC movie back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't I don't know how quickly, but it was fairly immediately after watching Live and Let Die that we tried the hairspray in a lighter trick. Oh yeah. Did I you did guys do that as kids? Yeah. I oh, lit yeah. so many aerosol things on fire as a child. Yeah. Uh I was a maniac. I was I was I would describe myself as a, a near arsonist. I was too. I lit my bedroom on fire, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, a fire did bed. you really? Yeah, in fact, I I was deodorant but not spray deodorant it was because i was doing a lot of that spray deodorant yeah, yeah. fire thing and so i had a stick of deodorant which has alcohol so like, you're wondering and so mm-hmm. I, you could light it like a torch and hold it and so i did that in my room and i shook it to put it out and then the deodorant flew out of the canister rolled yeah. under my bed which was an antique bed oh, full of no. like like an old box spring that was just and it just went <gasps> and so i ran my buddy was there we got water we got it out but my carpet was all charred and then i was waiting for my stepdad to come home that day and i had to pay for a new mattress out of my allowance and yeah it was really stupid but i was always blown well you know me and squibs like i was yeah, always yeah. like yeah. building bombs sure. and blowing shit up and but do you remember when you would do that aerosol spray thing there was always and i don't know if this is true or not mm-hmm. but everybody would always say you can't do it for long because the flame will Back creep up. up and it'll blow up yeah well that's not true right no no so go ahead kids <laughs> no don't don't do it also do kids be aware that if you're going to shoot at a gas tank it's not going to blow anything up unless you're using an incendiary round i guess that's true yeah so i just want to share a little bit of is that true yeah it is true um but uh yeah the aerosol can i used to take you know another thing i used to do is wd-40 i was a big fan of yeah uh, Yeah, i was a big fan of taking (laughs) wd-40 and writing my name on concrete and lighting that on fire. yeah that's That's pretty cool that was good you know what that was good american fun (laughs) that was good that was what we were up to when we were kids we were outside burning things yeah what were you doing kids just watching youtube yeah what else could you do yeah we, we said, we said, what do you think fire? we would be like if the internet existed? Like if the internet I'm was... I'm afraid because I had already is. figured out squibs and there's a... You should check this out. There's a documentary that 
Jay Cheel from the Film Junk podcast made about me getting squibbed called the squibbening. And it goes back to my drawings I had done as a kid on how to do these diagrams and everything like that. Are the that. drawings in the doc? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and then it ends with me getting squibbed. I've seen the video. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a whole little I love mini you. doc about on your it. dreams. Uh, I know. But I wonder, like, I wonder if the internet, if, if the internet existed at the, at, at what it is now back in, say, like, oh. 85... Like I wonder if I would have just would I would I what would I would I be a writer? I, I would certainly be flagged on no fly lists for all the shit. I <laughs> the shit you were googling. Yeah. I wonder if I would like would I be would I have more of a knowledge of like, or would I just use it to watch dumb videos? Yeah, I think I would have been like making so many films, especially with the filmmaking technology. That I, you know, like I had to use Super 8 cameras and stuff. And I remember being blown away by Microsoft Encarta, the, <laughs> the uh, encyclopedia right. uh, CD-ROM yeah. from Windows 95 that yeah. I just was like, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that had I had all of Earth's knowledge at my fingertips, I'd be the smartest person in the world. <laughs> yeah. But there's the other part of me that knows that I would not. Would waste You'd be it. down some horrible I, rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. I would have invented cake farts. Like that's <laughs> what would have happened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm grateful there was no man. internet in the '80s. I guess it made me yeah. it made me seek things and, and work for my knowledge, yeah. which yeah. was helpful yeah, ultimately. What Squarespace is still bringing you this podcast? We're discussing Live and Let Die, and we're discussing all the magical things that are happening in New Orleans like caskets being dropped onto people who are just killed and then they're picked up and then moved along in a wonderful funeral. Well, I bet you probably wanted to have a website that's dedicated to just that thing. You can, thanks to Squarespace. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. They're beautiful templates. They're created by world-class designers. Squarespace, they make it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. You can customize everything from the look and the feel and the settings and... The products are all optimized for mobile right out of the box with a built-in search engine optimization that you don't have to worry about. Showcase your work, blog, publish the content, announce a special project. You can even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Then you can use Squarespace Analytics to help you grow in real time. Nothing to install or patch or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, Squarespace has award-winning 24-7 customer support. It's there to help. It's like your own personal Q branch. Weird that we're saying this in an episode uh, that Q doesn't appear in. No Desmond Muellen in Live and Let Die. Maybe you want to do a website about what it would be like if Desmond Llewellyn was in Live and Let Die. Well, Squarespace would be the place to do that. You can keep dreaming, but you can also make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com forward slash bond for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your website all about Q being in Live and Let Die, you can use the offer code BOND and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com forward slash BOND. Use that offer code BOND. Guys, let's talk. Let's talk real talk. This episode's brought to you by Zipa. Why Zipa? It's Happy Z spelled backwards. Zipa is an American-made boil-and-bite mouth guard that is a game-changer in the bedroom. Did you know that? I am a snorer? Well, buckle up, because I am also a Zipa owner, which means I'm no longer a snorer, and it's easy to use. 
You, it's like having a custom-made mouth guard that you sleep with. Let me tell you, it takes one or two nights to get used to, but once you get used to it, you're never picking a night of sleep without this thing again. Uh, as long as you can help it, you will always have Zipa with you. With other snoring devices, you only have one feature. And they either have a lower jaw or stabilize the tongue, but Zipa does both. There's no other snoring solution like this in the world, not to mention this costs less than $100. And since Zipa custom molds to your mouth, it's super comfortable. Plus, it's clear by the FDA, it's safe and effective. But if you aren't happy with the product, you can return it within 90 days for a full refund. It's no surprise that Zipa has five star customer service and strives to maintain the highest reviews and ratings. I bet Kananga snores. He should be using Zipa. I have Zipa at home. I boiled it. I warmed it up. I bit into it. It's molded to my teeth. It's very comfortable to wear. And now I can't sleep without it. So go try Zipa and start enjoying happy Zs every night. For your sake and the sake of the people sleeping near you, just go to Zipa. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H dot com and learn more using the promo code BONDING for free shipping. That's Zipa dot com. Code bonding for free shipping. Tell them Matt sent you. Tell them other Matt sent you too. Do it. It's bonding podcast. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know that I ever would have picked up a Fangoria magazine. Hey, Fangoria right. magazine. Yeah, let's talk about that now. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's worth mentioning. You are now the editor in chief of the new premium. Fangoria Magazine. That's right. Fangoria Magazine, which was in publication since 1979, wow. and it went away a couple of years ago, and it's it's been purchased by a guy named Dallas Sonier, who's my new boss. He's the producer of films such as Bone Tomahawk oh, yeah. and Brawl and Cell Block 99. Oh. So he's got a real affinity for practical effects, yeah. and he's a real fan, and... Uh, He's he's got a crazy dream that we're going to bring this magazine back and and bring it back as a brand and make and horror movies under the brand. And we're talking quarterly now. This <gasps> quarterly. is going to be a quarterly. You're making horror movies under the brand? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about all of it. And How, uh, what kind of like level films are you making? Like They're going to be, you know, I I don't I can't speak to specifics about like how much, but yeah. he's, you know, he's you know the uh the philosophy of it is that they got to feel appropriate to Fangoria. So they're not going to be CGI'd affairs. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be real, like oh, this is so embracing the, the practical end of stuff. Oh and, my god! And they're, they're going to be uh, they're going to be fun. And the magazine is a kind of a dream for me because I was reading it. I, I have issues mm-hmm. of you know that I had when I was. 15, 16. I've been in that magazine. You're, I, had, you're in I it? was interviewed for what? it a few years ago. I think, if I can remember correctly, it was because of I was there too, talking to. People talking to like people from Halloween, right? And right. Such, yeah. Yeah. If I think, yeah. I gotta find it. Yeah. I, I it's somewhere in the back room. Yeah. Um, but it's it's such a huge part of my childhood and it's a huge part of why I got into writing and why I got into films as yeah, as, me a, too. as a passion. Uh, because horror movies scared the shit out of me as a kid, and so the fix, yeah. the fix was to read about how they got made, and so, suddenly I wasn't afraid anymore. Same. Ah, that's funny. And yeah. then and then. What got absorbed through that, because there was some quite good writing back there, like aimed at 15-year-olds, but you know it didn't talk down to you, which I yeah. thought was kind of cool. And you start to read about directors and editors and, and how, all right, so this movie's gory, but this movie's actually very good. And, and you would learn about you know, how, how, how the auteur theory. I've learned auteur theory in fucking Fangoria. So, yeah. you know. God, I, I go to the comic book store, 
and I loved comics, but there was always Fangoria and Starlog. Starlog, yeah. Starlog, same company. Yeah. Technically, we own Starlog. <gasps> so, you know, hit me up if you got some ideas about how to resurrect Starlog. Are you well, talking to me or the listeners? I'm talking to you and the listeners. Oh, uh, my God. <clears throat> it's, yeah, our first, our, sorry, our first issue is coming out in October. I like this idea of a quarterly, right? It's One of my quarterly? favorite magazines I've, I, is a is a quarterly magazine, and it comes and it's it's they put a, it's a quality stock and it's bound beautifully and it, when it comes it's like ah it's that four times a year where I get this magazine. Well, Birth Movies Death too did that. Birth right? Movies Death did that, um, but more like six times a year I think. Uh-huh. Um, and I loved my time at Birth Movies Death, but this magazine in terms of presentation and production. Matt Myra is totally on point. Yeah. I can't we, wait. Like they sent me the dummy, which is like a big thick blank of like how many pages it's going to be with the stock, and yeah. so it's just white. Yeah. But I was like, oh. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Fretboard Journal magazine? No, sir. It's a quarterly that actually sort of based itself off of this very popular surf magazine. That and is also, also I'll thank you not to call Matt Myra, sir. Oh, sorry. oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we like We're very sir. informal here. Oh, fair enough, sir. I'm no one, sir. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a there's something there's something about that. That's how you, I think, resurrect the written periodical. Yeah, well, as, you, as you as yeah. you as you give it some heft and you make it a, a thing, a thing that you look forward to, and not like one of these like, you know, when I get an issue of like, um, Wired. not to badmouth Car and Driver, but like when I get an issue of Car and Driver, I'm like, sure. yeah, yeah, we want it to feel. I mean, I, I, the pitch, the thing that got me hired, I think, is that I, I told Dallas when I was a kid, Fangoria was like a special coveted thing that i had to go seek out right because yeah. it wasn't at the convenience store next to my house it was the convenience right. store two miles away uh. that was okay with carrying it so I, you had to put a little effort into getting it and it was a special thing when you got it i didn't get it every month because yeah. i couldn't get over there or whatever but uh, i wanted to resurrect that feeling in a, in a 2018 reader so wow. it's not going to have an online component really yeah. it, the stuff in the magazine and i can't talk about what's coming in the magazine exactly mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's some really exclusive stuff that i'm excited to Bring to people, at, and you're only going to see it in the magazine. And it comes out in October? It comes out in October. I'm in. And I want to know why Fangoria has not yet appeared in the Goldbergs. That's a great question. It is a great question, yeah. isn't it? That is a great question. Make that question. happen, I'm going to just say that, listen, I know that you know, you're not calling all the shots over there, but this is a personal issue from my collection. When I was a little kid. Oh, my God. And I'm going to give it to you. And if it turns up in Fangoria, or if it turns, if it turns up, up, in, up the in the Goldbergs, you know, hey, that'd be swell. <laughs> Let me see. But... I want you to just take it with you, put it in the writer's room, maybe just plan an idea. If you need a different issue, I'm if you need like issue 17, call me up, I'll get it to you. Oh, man. Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Because mm-hmm. I know that the Goldbergs is set in, very purposefully set in 1980 something. something. Yep. So you'll yeah. hop around, the dates aren't really it was super important. God, this almost would have been perfect That's not what for I the uh, episode I just we just did. But The Fangoria episode? No, we did an episode where... <laughs> um, Adam borrows his mother's fur coat because he wants to recreate a Bigfoot video. <laughs> At first, it was going to be a Harry and the Henderson sequel he wanted oh, yeah. to make, but uh, blah, blah, blah. We ended up making it be because of he wanted to get the video on Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> but um, you know what? I'll see what I can do. If right you could on, ever do, do a Bond throwback for Fangoria, this is the film, right? I mean, this is the closest to a horror movie any Bond movie gets kind of with the voodoo with and the voodoo it's the supernatural it's got a it's got a sort of hammer slash amicus vibe to well, it well yeah. yeah it also has snakes it also has uh, alligators uh, alligators animatronic Sharks. creatures uh, men turning into balloons there's so many <laughs> right. things right mm-hmm. there's so many things <clears throat> but yeah I mean the fact that Baron Samity 
lives at the end is very supernatural and right yeah how many times can that guy die I well know. i don't think he really died when he went in with the snakes guys i think you think he, he's put he, on a show i think he just pretended oh. to die. he's like i'm not getting out of this i'm mm. gonna pretend to die none of these snakes are poisonous mm. could fair be. enough that's our secret here at this theme Thanks, park chris nolan <laughs> that's our secret <laughs> at this theme park um like what is that show that they do, right? Is oh, it, I love it. It's a tourist show. It's a. It reminds me at the Disneyland Hotel they used to do some kind of like tiki fire show. It was like a fire dance show or something. Yeah, and the Polynesian has the luau show. Yeah, and, right? and the language is pulled from that a little bit. So there's an episode of Mad Men where he goes to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and the guy is like, "This show for you, wonderful people." Yeah, like, this, like he took it yeah. word for word, and it's in Mad Men. Really? Yeah. Let's die. Yeah. It's really strange. Uh, I love the guy, the way that guy talks. Yeah, he's um, he's a real uh, Baron Savity, folks. I wish the movie took place over a longer period of time, so it would have been conceivable that Pepper would have been there on vacation with his wife. <laughs> you, you, you had a, uh, on a recent episode, you were trying to figure out how how much time it spends in a, a given Bond movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. What do you think's happening here? Oh, this from is beginning a great to end? question. Yeah. I think we're looking at, are we counting the deaths of the agents at the beginning of the movie as the beginning of the period of time, or do we just start from Bond's engagement? Let's, okay, we'll start from the, okay, so we'll give that two days. I think this happens in under a week. I think this is a six-day time span. Mm. It just feels so, it feels so long because there's so many different set pieces. There's so many different outfits. Outfits. Yeah, I'd say two weeks. You feel two? Yeah. You think he's gone for half a month on well, this case? A, a lot of traveling, a lot of back and forth from Jamaica to yeah, but those, New York. It's very, those are short trips. But do you feel mm. like Morris Bond is the kind of traveler who needs a day after he lands? <laughs> I guess I do. I do feel that. I feel I, like he's delicate. You know what? I feel like he's got a. He's. I think he has his own um, personal doctor mm-hmm. who prescribes him things that he does not. That we don't at that point understand as being narcotics. <laughs> Right. But in the seven, early 70s, it was like, yeah, take this. Feel good. Take this upper. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah. Crippling pill addiction. Yeah. Roger this Moore film's Moore. interesting, too. I noticed there's a holy shit. This is the first time I think that there's a curse word in a Bond movie. Correct. And th- three silent fucks. Three? Well, Mrs. Bell has one. And then J.W. Pepper basically, they yeah. cut. But he's the saying, boat engine cuts him out. Yeah. And uh-huh. then there's another mother fucker that one of the black guys says that I can't remember. Ah. Like, there's just, they're really embracing this kind of, I mean, that's another thing for Moore's era, you know, just yeah. a little vulgarity. Just going, going it's got to be Tom Mankiewicz, the new screenwriter. Well, he did Diamonds Are Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought Diamonds would have got a little uh, saltier. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. In Vegas, Guys, especially. Don't. It's perfect. It's we don't perfect. need to change anything about that movie. I did not, by the way, I went to Vegas. I did not learn how to play Baccarat. Because I could not oh, find a background hard, table. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine they'd be find around one. much. There is one at the Aria, I'm told. So next time I go, you gotta. I'm gonna make a beeline for that. Why do I have this note? Quote: What happened to your friend? Listen. Quote: Someone's saying that in the film, and then it cuts away. But I want to know what the rest of that combination or conversation is. What happened to your friend? Listen, and then it cuts <laughs> away. Is it two of the cops? I can't remember. I'm not uh, sure. I remember that one. Oh, is it the cops right before Pepper commandeers the vehicle? No, I no, can't that's remember not what's happening there. All right, uh, sorry, popping back into my notes here. Mm-hmm. When Bond, when Whisper, when they knock out Bond in 
the little like lounge room where they're going to cut off his pinky. Yeah. And Whisper has to carry Bond out of the room. Yeah. How many takes do you think they were able to do that? Because it looks like Whisper's really strong. That's, that's why I think that was it. Yeah, yeah they, I think that's the he best. Got the one. <laughs> By the way, I will it. say this, and I and this happened to me last time. Every time I watch this movie, I forget about the plain portion of yeah, the chase sequence. Yeah. It's, Every single time I'm going to watch this movie, right. I forget that this scene exists. I yeah, I do too. It and why is that? Do you? I think? don't know. I think it's because it's sort of unremarkable and completely superfluous. Yeah, and right before the boat chase. Yeah, so and I guess it's like little... it's also like why, like I, f- it has everything going for it. It's got a uh, civilian, funny civilian who uh, is somehow now involved in a James Bond chase. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, it's got. Um, it's got Bond taking the helm of something. It's got Bond in a vehicle it's got you know it's got bond breaking wings off of a plane this has usually everything i like in a chase yeah. but i mm-hmm. just always forget this exists there was and something I, there was something that i read where it's manga which had i uh, was under the orders from i think saltzman let's have a plane chase where the plane never takes off and that was it <laughs> that sounds about that's right where you, that's how they rolled <laughs> were they also like right. let's have a boat chase but a lot of it's on land <laughs> yeah and then let's do it again in the next movie yeah <laughs> oh I only just found out that they that Saltzman and, and Broccoli at this point were trading off. Right. So oh. this was a Saltzman jam. Wow. And the next one was the Cubby in the lead seat. I guess that sort of makes sense, though, because they were cranking them out every year yeah. at that point. So This yes. is his last jam, then. Yeah. Because he's off by Spy Who Loved Me, right? Isn't that first the Broccoli's la- the, first yeah, solo flight? Exactly. The last one. So this is really his go. last one. Yeah. He got, I think maybe Harry got a little bit of a raw deal. I think he was unlikable. I have to agree with that. I don't know. I get the feeling he was difficult and nuts and not grounded in reality. And Cubby's like, stop ordering all these elephant shoes. My uh, <laughs> my heart breaks when they they always when they show that footage in Everything or Nothing where they're at this that premiere yeah. or something, He's just and they run eyes. into each other. Yeah, and there's like this sort of like, oh my god, hey, but it's yeah. like also like, oh man, you <laughs> fucked up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting if they are trading off. It's worth looking at who's i don't think they did that regularly enough because in the early days they were probably together on them you know yeah yeah together if if you back it up two films though that means that saltzman did on her majesty's secret service that can't be right and cubby did diamonds and i do like live and let die way better than man with the golden gun so that's uh-huh. interesting. Very interesting it's cubby that connery had the problem with right yeah yes yeah yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. but then everybody else what is that? Is loves he on the Tonight Cubby. Show when he says that? Yeah. yeah. Everybody Who's, else loves who? Cubby. And Sean Connery, to be honest, doesn't seem like the easiest person the to get along with. Friendliest and easiest person to get along with. I, don't I think know. if you're into tennis, he yeah. loves you. Golf or tennis. Yeah. Golf or tennis. <sighs> or kilts. Right. History is written by the winners, guys. That's true. That's so true. That's so true. Curious. Well, let's go to the point where we have some crocodiles and alligators here. Mm-hmm. And Teehee. Crocodiles. Did you notice that Kananga doesn't call him Teehee? He calls him Teehee throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Acting. I didn't. I like that. Teehee. That's a fun choice. Also, where does one order oil drums full of raw chicken? 
Oh, uh, you know what? I feel like that's got to be, there's got to be a farm that also sells in bulk like that. Probably. Two two alligator Two feeders. alligator farms and... Shark chummers. Shark chummers, yeah. Give me give me a drum of spoiled parts. Do you think a shark, <laughs> is a shark into that? You throw a raw piece of chicken in the water? Probably not. It's more bloody. What blood, is right? chum usually? Like, what it's is it? Fish guts. Fish guts. It's yeah. fish, okay. Yeah, bloody yeah it's fish. like all the fish fowl that no one Okay, wants. yeah, that's probably more what sharks yeah. are into. Mm-hmm. The chumming right now. Have, have you did you have occasion to watch the outtakes this time or are they just already in here when, of the uh, I've seen Ross him so Kananga many times. Running across yeah, the yeah. It's Isn't that early. interesting? His name is Kananga. That sounds so much like an African name, but he's just this redheaded white guy down in the bayou yeah. named Ross Kananga. And it was what came first? Him. Yeah, he did. He his they shot at his him. alligator farm and, and then named <laughs> the villain after him. It's amazing because yeah, Mr. We, Big is just the villain in the books when they yeah, were scouting yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, they they land on that name, so they changed it before they started shooting, right? But uh, I think it's like J- Jakarta or something, or Jakarta, the original name. Or you think of Jim Kata? What is always the movie? Jim the original name of of Kananga. Before they changed it to Kananga, oh, it was like oh, Jakarta right. or something. Yeah, like that. I don't remember. I, that'd be an interesting read again. I'm about ready to go through the Fleming books again. I think uh, if you haven't, give give the audiobook of this one a listen and feel. Deeply in your heart for Rory Kinnear trying to get through oh. some of this book. <laughs> it is really uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. He's doing these like 50s jive black voices. Yeah. And well, why? Why, wait, make, he's the, doing why like make that a, choice? Why make that choice? You don't have to do that. You don't have to do gosh, the voice. But what if whole, he made that whole, choice before he got to that point in the book and like he's locked and he's. There's a whole chapter of, of just what Bond is overhearing in a Harlem nightclub and it is oh. only quotes of. And the way he's. The way that Fleming has typed it, forget it. There's no way to not yeah. sound racist when you're doing it. I am using an audible credit on this right now. Do it, do <laughs> yeah. it. There's um they made a a uh I don't I don't know if I agree with the choice in terms of like historical preservation, but they renamed chapter five in this audiobook. What was it before? Mm, N-word heaven. Oh what do no. they call it? N-word Negro heaven. heaven. Negro heaven. Yeah. Oh god. Boy. <laughs> Oh uh, boy! What a troubled, what a troubled uh, author and man. Yeah, a troubled author and a, and a troubled sort of like thing to outlook to reconcile with your love of Bond and 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 the time. Yeah, you know, and the that's time true. that it was. And, and and online, we're we're kind of like well, we me, I don't know about you guys, but we're we're kind of scolded for um, worshiping this franchise just for the things that the casual. Right. Finger Wagger knows about. Yeah. Like, if they knew about the stuff in the Fleming books, holy cow. Yeah, I know. Of course. And then I'm like, yeah, I walk around feeling guilty about it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what to do. I do feel like we enjoy this franchise, but with the understanding that it has these uh, a horrible element to it. And in an academic sense, that is also part of why I enjoy it. Not because yeah. I like embrace this in any way, but I, I'm curious to see how culture has changed and like. Fleming had real problems. He has real <laughs> problems as a person, as in views and an artist, and, and the movies also, do as well. And they're really worth talking about. And but we also get backlash from people saying like these are the way the films were. This was a different time. And I want, I kind of want both parties to say that we're not like it's a conversation really worth having. I really want to talk about the flaws of these films, not just in creative choices, but like in societal choices and. 
either way, like talking about it, I think is a good thing because nobody's endorsing these things. But for people to say that we shouldn't be talking about these things to give it a pass because it's from another era, it's not like we're really 100% coming down on it. But I find this stuff incredibly interesting that people saw things that way. And And this franchise is singular in that way because what other IPs are floating around that have been sort of like under one you know, companies umbrella for 55 years and to see that sort of shift and to see where they lag and to see where they jump ahead in some ways. Yeah. They got a lot of shit for having more, have a love scene with Rosie Carver. Yeah. They're like, Oh, well we can't play in the South and, and Cubby Broccoli, who we were just kind of throwing shade at to his credits that then we don't play in the South. Right. You know, they were, there's a, there's a weird push pull happening across the whole of the franchise. And just from an anthropological point of view, it's really fascinating. And yeah, and that's what I continue to engage with. And you can't deny that the franchise hasn't, caught up to the times if you look at craig's films like they really they they it's not like it's stuck back in the past so it knows it's well it knows its missteps you know Mm -hmm. i think that the franchise has tried every decade to be in that decade as best it can yeah to the and and it's very clear with with you know for instance with this black exploitation uh sort of genre that bond has been thrown into they're trying to keep up with the late 60s early 70s uh, cinema vibe, right? So then in the 80s, you're like, well, what's, what's, what are movies like now? Uh, let's give them license to kill. Let's go right. dark drugs, do that. Yeah. And then in the 90s, you're like, well, we need like a like computer-driven Bond who like has this techno music that world. somehow... They, well, let's put... Let's make ammo female and have James Bond have to deal with that. And then in, you know, in the mid-aughts, you're like, well, what is the franchise now? Well... You know, these boring movies are popular, but also, like, let's sort of, like, pull them back a little bit. Let's take them back to the beginning, and then they give us Craig. So, I think that the I think the franchise is much more, you're, you can be much more critical of the franchise had it not evolved at all, and had it just continued to be doing movies that were set in the 50s, mm-hmm. and just had this attitude of, like, yeah. you, you know. It's even more interesting, I think, to look at the way Bond films handle women in the sense of like obviously hugely misogynist in the beginning now they kind of give their females some agency but they still struggle a bit with like needing a damsel in distress which is at odds with today's world as well so even today's films which I think they've like pretty much handled racism pretty well I... but I, I think there there's still some troubling aspects you know like they get like madeline swan she's a doctor she's got station she's got agency but at the same time i mean she chooses to walk away which is a strong choice but she needs to be saved in the end and she also saves him right right you know yeah i know i'm just saying i'm not saying like it's right or wrong it's just bond will bond ever transcend needing to save his his female you know like that's an interesting sort of thing i would like to see bond save a, a, a male but no, Quantum of Solace handles it really well, I think, with Camille in yeah. that he kind of helps her out. Down. He does save her. She's freaking out because of the fire, but yeah. she's there on her own mission. I can't wait to watch that movie again. Uh, I'm really curious. For that one. Yeah. <clears throat> the weird thing about you know the, the female sort of aspect of, of that whole thing is that Craig, you know, aside from Lazenby, Craig is the only stretch where Bond ends the movie alone every time. Until Spectre. And that's why everybody's so assuming that he uh. has that, that Madeline Swan has to come back after Spectre. But if you look at Spectre as just an entry in the franchise, that's, that's how every yeah. Bond movie ends. Right. Very Him true. driving away with a girl Same that you with never Indy. see again. Yeah. Very true. And so that's why I'm sure that Boyle's going to lean into that end of things. But he's never yeah. given Q a bottle of champagne. That's mm. true. That was new. 
Yeah. Or or uh, giving Emma a burner that only he calls her on. That's weird. <laughs> Let's talk. I want to <laughs> discuss what, uh, because we don't, we see a lot of gadgets in this film. Right out of the gate. But we see no cue. Yeah, yeah. Weird. It is a very interesting choice. I like to assume that Desmond Llewellyn was busy doing something, maybe some handwork. Uh, out of town hand modeling um, let me google that is but uh, yeah I want to know why he's not in it but also I just I, I, I'm gonna I want to guess as to how big his hands were during, oh, the, during the making of this movie unless unless Matt you can tell us I can what he was doing in 1973 what was Desmond Llewellyn up to um, well it's because his hands were so inflamed yeah. he couldn't shoot yeah. the film he couldn't get through the door yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> he couldn't get a sleeve. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, someone sent us a, a Photoshop of him with those giant fake hands. Uh, yeah, and that was very funny. I, I imagine him trying to get through a door like. That. Oh, according to a message board here, right, this is where all the best information so you know comes from. Yes. He was busy with a TV series at the time, and Harry Saltzman didn't think it was necessary to have a cue in the film. Um, oh, see, that's interesting. Just, Cubby would have been like Cubby would have waited. We'll get him. Also, remember Desmond's cue wasn't that popular in the early seventies. His fame with Bond came later. I don't know about that. Mm, um, they burn him off fairly quickly in Honor, Majesty's Secret Service. Right? He's only in the pre-title sequence and at the wedding and the wedding. Yeah, it was he more about up. them wanting to distance the new Roger Moore Bond from the Connery Bond. I could see that. I've heard that, that I before. Could see, sure, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> he comes back in Golden Gun, and they're all just shitty to him. Shut up, Q. Yeah. Uh, on that b- gadget tip, though, I know you're not buying my sp- my theory that the apartment scene is called back inspector, but <laughs> I love your theory. In in the script uh-huh, uh-huh. of Spectre, yeah, he's also got a woman hiding in the bedroom. Ah, oh. who later turns out to be a Spectre mole. By the Wait, way, when oh. in his apartment? Yeah, when Manny Penny comes to see him. No shit. And I'll throw another thing on there. They reshot that scene. In the first version, he's wearing a bathrobe. Powder blue? No. Well, it's I'm like not, a I'm not interested. Thing. Well, Morse is yellow. Here's an interesting theory. I heard the guy who wrote the screenplay based it on the book, and there's no Q in it or any Fleming books. He well, didn't know no. that Q was supposed to be in every Bond film, so he added Q in The Man with the Golden Gun. No. People kept asking. I could see Tom Mankiewicz not that familiar, <laughs> but you know Cubby and I think Mankiewicz has spoken at length about the books. He knows what's up. Yeah. Um, well, but Q isn't in the books. That's the thing. Right. In that book. Hmm. The, I don't know. The gadget, uh, the, the Rolex, the magnetic Rolex. Yeah. The markers go red, much like they do in Spectre. When he okay. All right. You that I buy. There? That I yeah. buy. All right. Okay. okay. All Just right. like the bomb watch. I like it. And then obviously there was that one sheet poster where he's wearing an outfit that he's not wearing in the film, but it is the live and let die. Yeah. I, what, did we ever get to the bottom of that? I'm sure it was just a cool throwback poster look. Yeah, he never does wear that. But why do that? I mean, he, he has just, he has a jacket so cool. over it. That may be the only Bond. He outfit has the jacket I over it. To really in, wear at the end of Spectre. It's that's the outfit. oh that's oh. the outfit. Is he wearing a turtleneck? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. is the because he's got the brown leather holster in that on the poster? On the poster, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not put leather. it to use. Yeah. It's not. There's Stop no. Is there, shammy, a, huh? is there a um? Is it's, there a magnum in it? No, no. He's got a PPK in his hand. In the by the way, I love that gun yeah. when he shows up firing that magnum and like does not care the fact that he would have to reload by now like <laughs> and like the fact that everything just falls like like you rarely do you see bond 
lay waste so easily with one bullet. Yeah. But I do like that they're really going for it with the magnet. Except for the one guy who comes at him with the sword and he shoots him in the shoulder and then has to shoot the guy again. But that's weird because he shoots him in the shoulder and he just recoils a little. And then that second one, he gets <laughs> blown back. Second one back. lays yeah. him out. Yeah. I, I feel like that's another thing they're going like, let's differentiate from Connery here. Let's give you a big American gun. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's uh, probably in the in the culture, it was the after Dirty Harry. Yeah, right. So... Right. When he gives a whole speech about the fucking gun. So, yeah, yeah people right. were thinking about that. Yeah. How, is this one of the Bond films that takes the place the most in the United States? Like, what, which one is Goldfinger. the most? Goldfinger? Well, yeah. you know what? Yeah, it depends if, if the island, if Kananga's Island is part of the U.S. territories or not. Yeah, I don't but, think so. But this is, yeah, probably more than Goldfinger. Because License Goldfinger to starts too. in England and, and uh, the Alps. Austria, yeah. yeah. But Florida, Florida it's got it Florida and Kentucky. License to Kill has a lot of Florida in it. View to a Kill has lots of San Francisco, but just at the end. This one's Harlem, New Orleans. No, not just at the end. I think View to a Kill is it, right? Because when he goes to visit Zorn, his estate is like in that's Southern California, right? Wait, the, the whole, the, almost the whole No, Paris. that's France. I thought he had it built. No, that's, that's Moonraker. Moonraker. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I've got my... Lover's not experts. I've got my Versailles-like uh, estates mixed up. Sure. I got another Gloff for you guys. And the Moonraker one, he built in California. Yes, but that's, he had imported. So that movie has a lot of California in it, too. I mean, there's a good Theoretically, scene and a half yeah. there. That Two scenes. Yeah. And, stuff. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the whole uh, middle of that movie takes place at the Venetian in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> yeah. The gondolas. <laughs> yeah. I have a gloft for you. Let's hear it. For some reason, Clifton James is padded in this movie. Right. He's not, apparently not as fat as they needed him to be, and he's just got these thick... You can see it when he kind of moves around. It's not like a human belly. Mm. Check it out. <laughs> also... By the way, this, this is the movie, though, where we need Q. Because I need someone to explain this shark pellet to me. I need someone to explain this. Yeah, he said pull the pin at one point. Balloon-inducing pellet. Do you have to prime that bullet before you put it in the gun, and that's what he does before he puts it in Kananga? I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. That's I, I, weird. But it's like, I just, like, I would like a short three minutes, two minute scene. A little bit of Well, a... that's what you get in that exposition of this weapon. It's yeah. so interesting. Tell me what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I just want him to do it. I yeah. want him to do it in the field. I want him to show up at the... Uh, Standard issue shock guy. At the ladies and gentlemen, like at that thing, like at that show, I want him to be there. You know, yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, like that's literally a cue scene where he's like, tell me yes, how it works. Right. And totally. then they, they try they, it out on an assistant yeah, 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 yeah. who yeah. gets, you know, made a fool of. Yeah. That's yeah. right out of the cue scenes. Yeah. I think that it would have been hilarious uh, had he said, Mr. Bond, uh, oh, Mrs. Bond is already here. And he goes in and it's Desmond Llewellyn in a wig. <laughs> I would love that. I can't. I, I can't disagree. That. Listen here, 007. But I can't be putting on, on wigs on hands. <laughs> um, when the boats go through the wedding in the bayou, yes, and the bride cries. Yeah. Right at the end, before they cut, the groom smiles like like <laughs> i like you? that like hell Wouldn't yeah you? i never yeah. noticed that before but like that's a good that's a fun director choice to be like you, you're dude you love this boat situation yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty fun um what else we got let's see boat chase and then big showdown uh yes okay now the 
Because there's also the saw blade. Like, there's so many gadgets. So many it iconic just appears. Bond it's gadgets. The most that... gadgets, considering that there's no Q. It might yeah. have the most gadgets of any Bond movie. Who is he, uh, like, Morse coding with his Carl shoe Jr., brush? The man who shares my hair oh, brush. Right. Mm-hmm. Shares my shoe brush, too. That's a joke that's just for, like, Bond and us. Hmm. No, no. It's only for Bond. Like, that's it. Literally, he says that only for him. Well, I think we're supposed to get no, it. No, no, we're oh. not there. We're not there. That's Wait, who, what? That's like, who he's I just feel like James Bond does so many jokes that are in, just like, if you're in the world of Bond. What's yeah. the joke? Shares a hairbrush. How is she supposed to know that she the is, activation, yeah. this, this communicates with Coral? Oh, I always took that to mean, first of all, is that a hairbrush? I took, yes. the, I feel like that's a shoe shining no. buff. No, because when he checks into the hotel, he's he's SOSing somebody. He's SOSing. He's Morse coding somebody. Yes. Oh, I always took this to mean that we are so close that we literally share a hairbrush. Like I would no, that's, let him borrow my hairbrush. It's a callback to a confusing scene that yes. happened earlier. Yes, <laughs> is that right? Whoa, yeah, Matt, that's a hair. You have I guess two other lovers here who are outvoting another lover. Yeah, budding experts. But is that? But my are you sure that's not an expression? My dad had hairbrushes. Oh, like, okay. totally. Like those, like just like. It was the palm of your hand. Or it looks like it's for a dog or a horse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that's an old expression. You know what I, I guarantee you, James Bond Lifestyle has that hairbrush. Uh-huh. A link to sure purchase that hairbrush. Uh, Boy, I hope they get click-through sales over there. Did you look but at that Isn't that a today? thing? Because like a no. hairbrush did was a hygiene some new thing. Stuff or is it... You have to be close enough to share your... No. No. Um, Google that term and it will only come up in reference to Living <laughs> Let's Die. That is the first thing that comes out, up. DB5 from 1964 is on, is on sale. God, how much? They won't say. You have to contact the seller. Uh, uh, and it like has a smokescreen thing and yeah. Wow. It's true. Would out. I want that? Yes. Yes. I had to like, I, for a second I was like, well, I'd never drive it anywhere. I'm like, yeah, I would, try, I would drive it. I mean, sure. if it drives, I'd drive it. There's another thing happening this weekend that you sent me that we talked about last week. So oh. I'm going to force it into our conversation. Let's do it. Next episode. Okay. All right. When Kananga Balloon finally happens, never occurred to me before too, but everybody would be just covered with blood and flesh. It's Yeah. It's completely dry. <laughs> it's the driest explosion. It's the driest <laughs> explosion ever. Here's here's my grail for this movie. The yeah. the native film footage of that explosion because you can tell like there's a cut where they are blown up on a section of the film yeah. frame or it's like mm-hmm. the grain the is grain, the size yeah. of cornflakes. I would love to see what that looked like I on know. set. Oh. Because they they were cutting around some stuff in that film. And yeah, it is it is the least yeah, why bloody do you, why human explosion. Why did they ever. do that? It just maybe it looked really shitty. At, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were polishing a turret at that moment because it's also clearly sped up. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Do you do you still firmly believe this is the worst moment in a franchise? I certainly believe it's worse than the pigeon double take. Again, my defense. I know is that's intentional comedy. This is in, meant to be a hugely dramatic and climactic moment, and it takes all the piss out of it. Shouldn't okay. he have been torn apart by sharks? Okay, sure, but here's again my defense of Pigeon Double Take being crazier is that they had to sit there in the edit bay and make the decision mm-hmm. to run it back three three times. Yeah, and that John Glenn was like, "This." Is gonna be hilarious. Coming on the heels of that damn pigeon doesn't give hovercraft gondola. <laughs> pigeon doesn't give a shit about this gondola. No, 
The pigeon doesn't care. But it's so a, you I, say it's it's an, a more egregious bad moment than yeah, the Kananga balloon. I do because I don't like the realm of possibility for me. Like you, James Bond, we buy his gadgets. You know, as mm-hmm. un, as as impossible as some of them may uh, actually be, like to fit. Uh, the mechanisms of uh, a grappling hook. I got no problem with the gadget. Right. So, okay. Okay. But like, so I buy, I buy, there's a world where James Bond has a gadget that does that. I let, buy that. Let me ask you this. We can at least agree that both things take you out of the film a little yes. bit, right? Yeah. So I would argue that it's, it's more of a shock to be taken out of this moment, the climax and important ending of Live and Let Die, than it is to be taken out of the moment where Roger Moore's driving a gondola hovercraft through this, the streets of Venice and people are going, ooh. Okay, oh. It here's how, here's more how I will that. agree with you. Yeah. I will give you this. That moment, the Kananga balloon, is more detrimental to the film. That's my whole point. It is more detrimental to the film than the pigeon double take. However, uh-huh. I will say this. The pigeon double take is more batshit crazy to me. Here's, here's a very big distinction between the two. One is premeditated. Mm-hmm. Like if this was murder, that's first degree murder. <laughs> and the, the Kananga balloon is manslaughter. It's true. They They're, didn't yeah. mean they, for it to you know, be ridiculous. On paper, that's the Kananga true. balloon was probably awesome. Yeah. And they just kind of like, oh, we, well, this is as good as it's going to go. Harry, what do you want to do? <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck it. I'm out of here. Do what you want. Blow up the frame. Whereas they had so Whereas, many like, A lot of people got behind <laughs> this. <laughs> I guarantee you someone take. said, what if they move their head a third time? The, but the I can make an argument that Kananga balloon is premeditated. I know the effect being bad was not premeditated, but from if from an effect, early stage, they had to see the thing happened in post production where they're like, "Oh, let's do this. It's a lark." They had to build, design, make a man inflate, shoot it, and then try to fix it in post. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of co- that's a conspiracy, friends. But had they? But let but me it's ask a, you this: it's a conspiracy to cover something up. Yeah. This is this is a this is a this plot. is just pure plotting to destroy the audience. <laughs> well, where do you fall in, listeners? You hashtag Kananga balloon or hashtag pigeon double take and Matt. How could they really voice their support? Uh, well, Matt, if they go to podswag.com and forward slash that with a bonding, uh, they will find a link to our store, which has, not only does it have beautiful posters that are uh, signed by you and I, uh, but it also has uh, some t-shirts. One of them, of course, is the brand new Knickknack Tabasco t-shirt, available now. Abraham Mustafa did a great job uh, designing that t-shirt. That's available. But if you really want to weigh in on this particular discussion, you have the opportunity to purchase either a Pigeon Double Take t-shirt or a Kananga Balloon t-shirt. Now, these are both images that are also available on that poster I mentioned earlier. That's right. So, buckle up. And if you want to have a hidden Michael G. Wilson on your chest, there's only one way to do that, and that's with a Pigeon Double Take t-shirt, my friend. Yeah, I think it's actually Podswag slash Bond, just to be... Buckle up, everybody. It's podswag.com forward slash Bond. Right. Does Michael G. Wilson read on the shirt? Yes. Can you you make him out? Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. It's so tiny, but it's there. All right. It's almost time to rate this film. Anything else you guys got? Uh, uh, Jane Seymour, great job. Yeah. Really. Uh, Jeffrey Holder, great job. Jeffrey I Holder. love Jeffrey him. Holder, great job. He's so good in this. Mankiewicz said if he'd known that Holder was playing that character, he would have written more scenes for him, mm. which I thought was cool. Yeah. You know, like definitely recognizing that. There's that one thing where he is overdubbed. I think it's when Bond, when they're walking in and he's in the show, and he's just doing these like inaudible whispers 
between mm-hmm. laugh punctuations, and it's mm-hmm. like a boot but I'm not gonna get it. And then he, does it, he does it again at the end when he's getting the sword. Yeah, he's like singing to himself. It's creepy. I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, he's so good. On the on the on the uh, exploitation tip, there was something interesting that I read where Harry and Cubby noticed that there was in movie theaters at that time there was a line of people going to see the white movies and a line of people going to see the black movies, and they said, "What if we put them all in one line?" That's brilliant. I thought it's beautiful and beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, they had good intentions with that this on movie. the heels well, of the, like this up. won't oh, play yes, in the sure. south. Who cares? It won't play in the South. Mm-hmm. There's an argument. Who cares? They didn't want to make the most money. They're doing, doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of do the right who thing, else, you know who else did a great job? Hmm. Uh, Bernard Lee he did a great job uh, being in this movie, even though he clearly didn't want to be there. <laughs> I think did, this is the movie. This movie, he this seems one. like he does he has no desire to be here. That's right. You know, I feel like when when they start their performances, there's there's room for different things to happen. But by the time you get to like a uh, sixth or seventh movies, your performance is kind of ossified into a certain yeah. thing. And he was just like, I don't like Bond. Yeah. You know, there's no nuance. Oh, left. that's sort of it's where just he was like, coming at from. Yeah, Bond Bond annoys me. Yeah, and that's sort of you know something that kind of got boiled down from a lot more interesting interactions right. over the years. That's true. That. But I I maintain and I've always said that the, every every Bond guy's first performance tends to be their best. And I think Roger Moore mm. is super engaged and energetic here. I know you guys love his later stuff. Yes, we do. No, I think you're right. I think this is his best performance. performance. That's probably true. This is the most engaged you will see him. Yeah, that is very interesting. Ones. You'd think like your sophomore or third effort would be where you really they get, settle in. They get comfortable. They get a little bored yeah, sometimes. Certainly. And that, that, that sort of feeds into the whole stereotype of Bond as this sort of like too cool for the room, unflappable guy. Yeah. But when you look at their eyes in each, like <laughs> Dr. No, Casino Royale, this one, uh, maybe not Lazy Beast, but they're just, they're in there in a way that they kind of aren't ever again. It's in the same way that they Bond would be on a mission. Like they're staying alert because this is their first film and they've got to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. All right. Let's rate this some bitch. All right, we're rating this film on the uh, James Bonding scale of 00 to a 007. We've given out no triple O's. No triple O's. We've given out a triple O point five. Has you have you done a 007? No, me either. What got a what got a 0.5? Well, we did Casino the 1967 oh, Casino right, Yeah, that was a great listen, by yeah. the way. Yeah, it's real dumb. Um, I'm gonna go 006. I love this movie. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna, it's in my top five. I'm going to go probably... I was going to go a little less than that, but... Well, you do you. I know. I'm going to put it at a 005.5 for the absence of Desmond Llewellyn. Boom. Yeah, oh, that's this fair. Is exa- Phil is exactly correct. Yeah, I, I was close to that myself. I understand it, but I'm glad I'm bringing the average up a There's a bit. couple ways that I have to look at this, right? The rating system... Are we coming at this rating system as... Um, the way I rate the when I do the Star Trek podcast, the way I rate them is I go, it's zero to ten. But the higher it gets, is the more I'm likely to be flipping the channels, see it, and continue watching it through commercial breaks. Sure, mm. that's like once you get past like it's because it's one to ten. After a five, I will stick through one commercial break and two, <laughs> three, four, so on, so forth. <laughs> so with this James, you're Bond, asking like, are we doing that? Like all of us had thought of that method. <laughs> Well, no, the James Bond one, I just, I'm just explaining sort of my rating oh. standpoint for this. So, like, a three and a half is one that I will watch through one commercial break. Yeah. So, wow. when I'm talking 5.5, guys, you're getting two, maybe three commercial breaks. And then you turn? On TBS. Oh. For me, it's pure, purely how much I enjoy it. Not even if it's objectively a good or a bad film. It's just 
subjectively, personally, do well, I like it? Why did we give Vito a kill? Because we should have given that a seven. Well, no, I think I gave it a six or a six point five, yeah. something like that. But I mean, I do want to leave room for the best to yeah. be the best. But quite frankly, I'm never. If I'm flipping the channels and Vito a kill is on, I'm watching nothing else that right. time. Fair enough. Yeah. Same. Do you but, find yourself like if you happen upon something with com- with commercials, you're not just going to put your iTunes I'll version do that on? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. No, I always watch the commercial one, and I don't like <laughs> without fail. And here's why: I feel like it's somehow more exciting. It's a shared experience. It's not to be missed. People in the world are watching it in the same time as me. Wow! And that somehow really has a draw for me. Sure. Like if those movies are on TV, it feels like an event. It's still like the holdover from the ABC. Thing I guess or here's something. my here's a question for you guys, and we might not know this because we're not experts. We're lovers. Um, but do they ever do the television cuts for these movies that have different scenes in them? Added scenes or less? It could be just different because sometimes when you watch Jaws with commercials, you'll have yeah. the music store right. scene. Yeah, where... Halloween has they reshot stuff yeah. for TV. Yeah, Aliens as well. Um, and I because there's I don't, added. there's a legendary and someone recreated it on YouTube. There's a legendary recut of Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service for television, and you guys should find that. I'll help you find it. What's um, different about it? Um, I believe there's narration. What? Yeah, it's it's not good. It's it's uh who does the narration? Sean Connery. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I hate to leave you with like this this not helpful. No, uh, it's bit a of trail of, that our listeners can follow. Yeah, you know what we should Sleep do? It. We should talk about it last week. Yeah, let's talk about it last week. So listen to last week's episode. Uh, so Matt, I picked Live and Let Die, which means it is your turn to choose a film. I'm a little bit um at a loss here because let's see, we've only got one Connery left, Doctor mm-hmm. No. We've mm-hmm. got two Craigs, but we've spoken about those yep. off mic a little bit. Which leaves us just with Spy Who Loved Me and For Your Eyes Only in the Moore era, right? Yeah. So I feel like I want us to do another Moore to kind of even up Connery and Moore. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm as you know. I'm I'm heading to Switzerland, and I, sure I, I I like I like the theme of the snow. We're still a little bit in the colder part of the year. Let's go with For Your Eyes Only because right. last time we saved that till the end. Let's get that one in now. Sure. And enjoy some uh, Lake Placid or whatever the hell. I'm excited to just see some good, classy figure skating guys. Sure, sure. And skiing and shooting. Skiing. Where are they? In France? Where are they in that? No, aren't they in Lake Placid? I feel like they're like. I feel like they're in an American. Why did I say Lake Placid too? Uh, Oh, probably because the Lake Placid Olympics. I think there's somewhere in the Swiss Alps or something. I don't think it's America. Is that? Guys, is it Belgium? No. Lovers, not experts. We'll find out. Tune in next week to figure out if we know two where weeks. they are. Yeah. Tune in in two weeks. <laughs> because James Bonding will return. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. Matt and Matt. Matt and Matt. James Bonding Podcast. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> 
Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh. Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.